Thank you for listening to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast. For copyright and disclaimers, as well as information about how to contact the iCritical Care staff, please listen to the notice at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care podcast, recorded during the 40th Critical Care Congress in San Diego, California. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Joining us today is Jerry J. Zimmerman, MD, PhD, FCCM, Professor of Pediatrics and Chief of the Division of Critical Care Medicine and Director of Continuous Quality Improvement for Critical Care at Seattle Children's Hospital. Dr. Zimmerman is with us today to discuss his latest article published in the January 2011 issue of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine titled, Adjunctive Corticosteroid Therapy in Pediatric Severe Sepsis, Observations from the Resolve Trial. Good afternoon, Dr. Zimmerman. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for the invitation. Would you please start by giving us an overview of your uh, study and what you did and what you found? Sure. So our study was uh, a retrospective cohort uh, look at the Resolve database. And just to let you know what was going on with that, this was a study funded by Lilly to examine uh, the potential efficacy of activated protein C for severe sepsis uh, in children. And that study uh, enrolled patients between 2002 and 2005. There was no benefit uh, of uh, activated protein uh, C uh, in this trial. However, uh, there was a, a great database that was generated, and we decided to look at Uh, what might be the potential effect of corticosteroids in the same uh, patient population because about 40% of the kids that were enrolled in that study actually uh, received uh, corticosteroids. 477 children were with severe sepsis, meaning that they were on mechanical ventilation. Uh, They required vasoactive inotropic uh, support, were enrolled in this trial. Uh, I think it's important to note that there were no children with hematopoietic stem cell transplantation uh, that were enrolled uh, in the study. Enrollment occurred in 18 countries around the world uh, at 104 uh, centers. The uh, uh, gist of the uh, results of the study were if you looked at children who received corticosteroids versus those who did not, their demographics, their illness severity uh, uh, were uh, essentially the same. And then if you looked at outcome measures, and there were a variety that we looked at, uh, there were really no differences uh, between the two groups in terms of mortality, vasoactive uh, inotropic infusion days, mechanical ventilation days, PICU length of stay, hospital length of stay, uh, or the primary outcome of the study, which was a composite time to resolution of uh, organ failure. So what did you find uh, in this study? Well, we found uh, that uh, in uh, this uh, cohort of uh, children with severe sepsis, uh, the largest one conducted uh, to date, that uh, we could uh, find no benefit uh, of uh, uh, adjunctive uh, corticosteroids in this uh, setting. The use of corticosteroids was dictated by the attending physician at the time? Uh, That is correct, and certainly that's a limitation of our study. That is, uh, there was no control over the 
type of corticosteroid, the dose, the duration. This was, our study was not a trial examining corticosteroids in any controlled fashion, and uh, uh, it should be emphasized that this was a retrospective database investigation. Why do you think the use of steroids has not shown the benefit that you might have expected from preclinical trials? So my view of this is that it's important to consider what I would call the yin-yang of, uh, of uh, corticosteroid biochemistry, especially at, as it uh, relates to critically ill patients. What most people uh, concentrate on are the improved hemodynamics, which I would say are pretty consistently uh, demonstrated in most uh, uh, of the prospective trials of uh, steroids for sepsis. So improved hemodynamics, and then the other obvious effect is the uh, anti-inflammatory action of this uh, class of drugs. However, what I think is uh, underappreciated and maybe very important are the fact that these drugs have a key role in protein catabolism, which is directly relinked to hyperglycemia, which is now a consistently demonstrated adult and pediatric risk factor for mortality during critical illness, uh, and also the uh, obvious role of uh, uh, anti-inflammation leading to a relative uh, uh, acquired uh, immunodeficiency, which also may be important in this patient population in terms of hospital-acquired uh, infections. There's been a lot of attention paid to the um, issue of relative adrenal insufficiency, particularly in patients with sepsis. Um, did you have any data on cortisol levels or response to cortisone stimulation tests or anything like that in this study? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question, uh, and it clearly identifies another limitation related uh, to the fact that uh, the uh, dosing of corticosteroids was uh, not controlled or prescribed during the RESOLVE trial. So uh, there is no uh, information in the database uh, whether these patients uh, were uh, uh, checked uh, for uh, relative uh, adrenal insufficiency or corticosteroid insufficiency of uh, critical illness, as uh, is the current uh, term. Uh, so we have uh, no way of knowing whether these patients had adrenal sufficiency or insufficiency uh, based on any standard. So what do you think the implications of this study are for our clinical management of children with sepsis? Well, there's no direct, uh, we can't confer any direct cause, uh, causal or, or lack of causal relationship. We can only talk about associations in a study like this. Uh, we have in uh, pediatric critical care medicine guidelines uh, that were recently updated that uh, address this question, and I, I think they still hold uh, for children who are uh, at risk for uh, true adrenal insufficiency, such as patients who are required to be on acute or chronic uh, steroid dosing for whatever reason. These are all our hemonc patients perhaps kids with severe asthma, any child with a hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis problem, uh, and then those children who may have received a dose of Atomidate or ketoconazole, uh, these are direct inhibitors of uh, cortisol synthesis. There's no question that these kids should be treated. 
it's, it's also, at, at least uh, I would say, uh, the general thinking that in both adult and pediatric me medicine that kids who remain uh, uh, in a state of uh, shock uh, despite rigorous, and that's the question and the debate, rigorous volume and uh, vasoactive uh, fluid administration, uh, or if the patient is exhibiting purpura fulminans where you can guess that the, there may be hemorrhage also in the adrenal uh, glands, uh, those patients uh, would be a group that probably most clinicians would choose to treat uh, with corticosteroids. Yeah, the, the current guidelines for management of children with septic shock um, includes, as you suggested, the use of hydrocortisone for those children who have been aggressively volume resuscitated and require inotropic support. Uh, in the RESOLVE study, these children were all receiving vasoactive inotropic infusions as well as being mechanically ventilated, uh, and it might suggest that they would almost by definition fall into the group that would be recommended to receive hydrocortisone, but at only about, what, 40% of the total um, population included in the RESOLVE study uh, actually received hydrocortisone. It's a great opportunity to look at this question, but it also leads us back to what do we do? Where do we go from here? Uh, exactly. So what we have uh, are check boxes. What we don't have is uh, what was the uh, threshold that made uh, clinicians nervous. Uh, rigorous, vigorous uh, hemodynamic support with vasoactive inotropic drugs uh, probably does not mean 5 or 10 of dopamine. Uh, uh, at least uh, when uh, inferred from the adult trials, it probably means uh, an epinephrine or norepinephrine infusion of 0.3.5 mics per kilo per minute. But everybody's concept about what is getting uh, dangerous, what uh, is rigorous, is different. And so that was obviously not controlled uh, uh, in terms of steroid dosing in the RESOLVE trial. Um, do you know if the database from the RESOLVE trial would let you look at different centers? Are there different practices in different centers with regards to steroid use? Or? Uh, there, other data indicate that uh, that is absolutely true. I don't think we could, uh, at this point in time, dig this out of the uh, uh, RESOLVE database. Uh, perhaps uh, the numbers would be uh, uh, small at some centers, making it difficult to say exactly what. but. There have been at least uh, three other uh, uh, studies that have been published in uh, pediatric critical care medicine demonstrating a huge variation in uh, practice in terms of uh, uh, steroid prescription for sepsis. You made mention already of some of the limitations of um, this trial. Do you have other comments you'd like to make regarding the limitations of the study? Sure. Um, this was a, uh, a trial uh, or our study was an investigation that uh, really uh, did not control any of the uh, prescription of uh, corticosteroids, as I said, uh, either what population might benefit with the lowest risk or the drug or the dosing uh, or the duration. So nothing uh, in the original study was controlled in terms of uh, steroid uh, prescription uh, either. There are likely a bunch of 
variables, a lot of variables that uh, do not show up that may be important for this. Uh, for example, the incidence and duration of hyperglycemia could be very important here. Uh, so these uncontrolled uh, variables are, uh, are not there for us to look at and could be important. And lastly, this, uh, our uh, analysis of this database after the fact is not a controlled trial. Uh, it, it, it did not specifically assess uh, the use of corticosteroids for this indication prospectively. So what is your practice? Do you use steroids to treat children with sepsis? And if so, what preparation, what dose? So, uh, yes. The, uh, although, although I would say even in our own group of uh, uh, physicians, there's uh, huge differences in opinion on this question as there is throughout our uh, uh, field. And I think uh, that variability in itself needs to get fixed. Uh, because if we uh, can't agree on a standard approach to how we're going to do this, we'll never be able to tell if there's any difference when we, when we intervene to change the system uh, a little bit. So I'd agree, uh, generally speaking, with the guidelines. Uh, uh, I mentioned the groups of patients that we, we definitely should consider treating when everything else we're doing rigorously isn't uh, working. I'd also agree uh, with uh, Dr. Ara from uh, the Cleveland Clinic who uh, recently wrote that uh, if we're going to use uh, steroids for shock uh, to improve hemodynamics, we should use cortisone. We shouldn't be using dexamethasone or uh, methylprednisolone. There are uh, data to indicate that these uh, particular steroids, in fact, are probably associated with uh, increased uh, adverse uh, outcomes. Uh, we should use steroids uh, for the shortest duration that we can at the, at the lowest dose uh, that we can. Uh, and uh, my practice would be to use the same uh, dose, that, uh, dose of corticosteroids that were used in Dr. Anand's original study and then in the corticus trial that followed. That was 50 milligrams intravenously every six hours. For kids, that would translate out to about 30 milligrams per meter squared uh, dosed intravenously uh, every six hours. I would also say that if you have a patient and they're hemodynamically unstable and you start prescribing steroids and it doesn't make any difference, I would get rid of the steroids. Uh, in Anand's initial work back in the late 90s when he dosed septic patients with, with impaired hemodynamics and looked at an actual norepinephrine dose response curve, these patients uh, responded within an hour, within a couple hours after uh, corticosteroids. So uh, if the uh, uh, drug does not improve hemodynamics, uh, I, I would recommend stopping the drug uh, just to avoid all the adverse effects that might be associated with it. What about the use of fludrocortisone? That question is completely uh, in the open, and as you know, that is the primary difference between Anand's original uh, investigation where he uh, demonstrated a absolute reduction in mortality from 53% uh, to 43%, I, I believe. Uh, uh, and in that investigation, fludrocortisone was given. In the follow-up corticus trial that involved many more ICUs throughout Europe, uh, there was no uh, benefit uh, in uh, terms of mortality. 
but uh, shock was resolved faster in those who did resolve their shock uh, again. But in the corticus trial, fludocortisone was not utilized. So uh, it may turn out that the uh, mineralocorticoid effect uh, in terms of uh, preserving that volume resuscitation that you give, holding on to your uh, 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 sodium, uh, keeping your intravascular volume up may in fact turn out to be important. Uh, I don't know of any uh, ongoing studies that are examining that question right now. And I don't know of any studies in children looking at the use of fludrocortisone. No, I don't either. Do you have any final comments you'd like to make? Sure. I, uh, even though this uh, study sounds uh, and is, I guess, negative, I would uh, not like to be uh, viewed as a therapeutic nihilist uh, in, this, uh, in this report. I think, uh, I, I think what our investigation, again, uh, calls for is that pediatric intensivists remain uh, uh, in a state of equipoise regarding this question. Uh, and uh, if you are a pediatric intensivist out there, you should support actually any clinical research that endeavors to provide evidence-based medicine for what we uh, do. There are uh, at least uh, two clinical trial networks, the Collaborative Pediatric Critical Care Research Network and uh, POLICI, the Pediatric uh, Acute Lung Injury and, and Sepsis Investigators, and then there are uh, stellar networks in Canada and uh, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and if there are pediatric uh, investigations, we should really make a point of participating with our patients in those studies. Thank you very much. We have been talking today with Dr. Jerry Zimmerman from Seattle Children's Hospital about the study Adjunctive Corticosteroid Therapy in Pediatric Severe Sepsis, Observations from the Resolve Trial, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in January 2011. This concludes our podcast. Look for future podcasts featuring a wide variety of information important to critical care practitioners, including interviews with authors and discussions with prominent members of the critical care community. For the iCritical Care podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker. SCCM offers regularly scheduled thought-provoking webcasts on cutting-edge topics within critical care. Webcast participants will receive continuing education credit and have the convenience of attending from their hospitals, offices, or homes. Visit www.sccm.org webcasts for details. The iCritical Care podcast is copyrighted material and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine or its officers or members. Your host is Margaret Parker, MD, FCCM, guest podcast editor for pediatrics. Dr. Parker is director of the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. She also is a professor of pediatrics at Stony Brook University Medical Center. To contact the editorial staff of the iCritical Care podcast with questions, comments, or ideas, please email iCriticalCare at sccm.org or info at sccm.org.